you've tuned in to the fastest growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast. So, Marisha, Andrew, how are you guys? So glad that you can be a part of tonight's broadcast. Yeah. Absolutely. We're excited, We're excited about it. As uh, as they say in the uh, television world, my name is Ro. I am from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Alex has the night off. Marisha, back to you. I'm Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground, and this is my husband and the actual host, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, Coruscant Radio Underground, and hey, we're we're almost to 500 followers. If yeah, you know, if we need four people tonight to go give us a follow, we'll uh, hit 500 finally. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yes. Uh, road to 500. Road to 500. Yes. So uh, remember uh, way back when, when we did our very first uh, mega crossover episode? Yes. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It really it was. was. It was great fun. We had a great time talking about Princess Leia. Yes, Princess Leia. Um, I tweeted that out uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, or maybe it was days recently uh, recently yes yes um yeah brad had that question for you about slave leia and uh, he was making a reference to uh what book was that in was it uh bloodline bloodline mm-hmm. yeah um so guys uh I, I see uh people are starting to make their way into the chat thank you so much for joining us we're going to talk about star wars novels and uh, they don't have to be canon. They could be legend. I've got a whole bunch like right yes. here. Uh, really excited to. Uh, I had these in my right now. I'm in my office, um, and I had these here. Uh, I was mm-hmm. very excited because a lot of these are Han Solo centric. Yes. And uh, I think the first. I'll ask you guys too. What was the first? Um, I guess novels that were not part. They were not the Star Wars novels. Uh, the uh, you know, back in the day, what was your first introduction to Star Wars novels that were not the movies? Hmm, do you guys remember? I mean, I remember people talking about them when I was a kid, I was always very curious, and but I never read them until I married the king of the nerds over here. <laughs> so, my dad gave me his copy of Heir to the of each of the Heir to Empire, Heir to the Empire books as he finished them, the first Thrawn trilogy. My introduction was. was pretty young with that first uh first throne book yeah and that's just what you did y'all you should have when we got married like the hundreds of star wars books hmm. like so many of them were you guys registered at like uh star wars land uh book land or something <laughs> we didn't so, need to be he already had them all yeah, no, my my dad had a rule in our house that I always had to have something that I was reading. And at night, he would say, you can either go to bed or you can go read for an hour. And so we we were always reading something, and he was always reading the Star Wars books. And so he would when he would read it, he'd finish it, and he'd hand it down to me. So I, I read a lot of Star Wars. And our children are carrying on that tradition. And that's great, yeah. yeah. What are they reading? Let's see. Iana, I think, ha- is reading uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker. Um, I believe that she was interrupted in her, her pursuit of Star Wars books by the discovery of Harry Potter. 
Um, but I think she's also read the Leia novel. So she's kind of been slow. She doesn't, you know, she's still pretty little, so she doesn't read super fast, but she's kind of been trudging, trudging through some. And we've listened to some audiobooks. We listened to part of the Padme book, I think. You know, when we take long trips, sometimes we listen to to books like that. So that's always fun. That's cool. I haven't read the Padme book, but um, so my first uh, take into, like I was mentioning, it was the uh, the Han Solo trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fitting now that you have got uh, the uh, Make Solo 2 Happen t-shirt. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, uh, I forgot what year those came out. It, they came out pretty uh, early in the game. I, I remember, obviously, I remember, you know, picking up the novelization of, uh, of the movie. But, you know, for a while, we didn't really have a lot of, uh, of Star Wars material. So when they first came out, I know you're going to show it to me, right? He's going to tell you what year it was published. Yeah. So when, you know, there was a, a used bookstore right around the corner from my house and I uh, oh, yeah. went in there and I saw these. I, I You know, the, I, the cover, there was one cover where I think there was a crystal skull in the background. Mm-hmm. Um which I think uh, is in Solo in, in yes. Dryden's office. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. And there was there was one image that really intrigued me out of the cover of one of the books. I think Chewbacca was in the background with the Falcon and Han Solo was in the foreground. Very, very cowboyish. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, I grabbed it right away. And I, I was, again, besides the movie, there was nothing that re- was really out. There was no other books. And those, I think... Those were the first kind of, um, you know, books of uh, stories other than the films that uh, that had come out. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, because I know early on there was the um, the book that was supposed to be the sequel to Star Wars, right. uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Mm-hmm. And I just I, right now I'm, I'm blanking. I don't know which one came out first. But, uh, yeah, the Han Solo trilogy. Um, when they were you, uh, Andrew, you've got a, uh, one book volume of the trilogy. No, this is the first book. Although I'm remembered there are actually two Han Solo books. Did you read the, the AC Crispin books or the other books? The, I think even before the AC Crispin. Yeah. You read the first trilogy, which is kind of hidden on the shelf. I think it's behind some other books over there, but it's over there. Uh, but those were earlier, and I can't remember what year those came out. But those were some of the first ones I read as well. Yeah, they're the. I mean, talk about early. They were really early. Uh, now the earliest now Splinter of the Mind's Eye was nineteen seventy eight, so it was far and away the first, uh, the first book. It came out. Yeah. So those, you know, those are the books that I really got uh, into. And um, I, I, I enjoyed them. Uh, what are you guys reading as far as modern novels, uh, you know, going into some of the new Star Wars books that have uh, come out? Um, Andrew's mostly read them in order as they've come out. And me, I've just sort of been like, I'm going to read this one now. So um, currently I am a little more than halfway through Bloodlines is the most current one that I read. Um I just finished Lost Stars, um, and I've read several others. I've read uh, Master and Apprentice and Dooku and the first Padme book and Legends of Luke. So I've, I've read probably about half the books, the new canon books on our shelf. 
I envy people that read books like like Andrew. I know you read a lot. I um, I'm a real slow reader. Like my mind, I'll read a page, and I'll read it, and I'll read it, and I'll, you know, and then all of a sudden my mind starts to go off somewhere. And yeah. by the time I get to the bottom, I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? Because I'm thinking <laughs> about like something else, and then I have right. to go back. I'm like, ah. So I, I get really distracted with with reading. Yeah, that's actually why I can't do audiobooks. And I'd rather do audiobooks because I, I pay more attention to that, no matter what mm -hmm. I'm doing. And I can see yeah. that, you know, for you know, someone like um, some of the, like, I guess it's the opposite. You get distracted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll start, I'll, while I'm listening, I'll start doing other things. And uh... I, I do that when I listen to other podcasts. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'll pop it in. And I'll be driving and listening, and then I, all of a sudden I start thinking about other other stuff, and I'm like, oh, I got to see right. what the guy said Wait, again. I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you guys that read a lot, uh, I envy you because I really want to absorb a lot of the new uh, Star Wars um, stories that are coming out, uh, especially nowadays. You know, obviously mm -hmm. all the stuff that's coming out, um, but you know, between the uh, uh, the sequel trilogy, the the whole series of Road Two. You know, the road to mm -hmm. Force Awakens and all that stuff. Um, so the first new novel that I really got into was Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Somebody posted earlier. Uh, we did get a lot of feedback from folks when I started uh, to post that we were going to talk about novels. So uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of look at my phone and see uh, who said what. But um yeah, Lost Stars was a, a, a real great treat for me. And it's uh, Claudia Gray, uh, obviously now part of uh, uh, Lumi uh, Project Luminous. Yes. And yeah. uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, yeah. What do you guys think of the new uh, – what What are some of the other stories that you guys uh, got into? I, I started getting into the uh, Aftermath trilogy, but I never finished it. I think it moved – I don't know if it moved slow. It was just kind of – I don't know. <laughs> The first one moved really slow for me. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed the second and third book. For me, it was a little too herkily jerkily. Yeah. Yeah. I only. Well, I didn't. There were a lot of interludes in those mm -hmm. books that I know some people liked them, but I didn't because they didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. They were all they were all dead ends. And that just drove me nuts. You like your stories to finish. Yep. Right. That's that was on the list. Right. Yesterday. Yep. Actual endings. <laughs> you like actual endings. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, in that meeting. Yeah. Well, I only read the first Aftermath book because it's the only one that my brother bought on Audible and I listened to, and I didn't want to spend $30 on the other two. So I only listened to the first one. <laughs> I did enjoy it, but... I didn't love it enough to go out and buy the other two on because I mean I'm busy. I have little children, so I'm much more likely to listen to audiobooks than I am to actually sit down with a paper book. And I did read Lost Stars, but I didn't like do school with my kids that day. So it's kind of a trade off for me. If I'm gonna listen if I'm gonna, you know, sort of consume books, it's usually gonna be an audiobook form. Um so I think Andrew was, you know, he's like, it gets better. And I was like, yeah, but better enough for me to like spend another 60 hours listening to the audiobook. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, Two Met Two uh, talks about Dark Disciple. Um, is that the one with Quinlan? 
Voss. I can't remember. Did you guys read that one? I did not read that one. I thought that was the one about Ventress. Yeah, that's the Ventress book. I don't know. It's on my shelf, and I haven't read it yet. It's on my it's on my to do list. Mm-hmm. I uh, I can picture the. I thought Quinlan Quinlan Voss and Ventress were on the cover. Yeah, I can't remember who else is on the cover. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's a that's a really good one. I've uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from other people, and uh, Dark Disciple is uh, on the top of everybody's list. Mm-hmm. Really? So we've okay. got um, one of our followers, the uh, MRC Tech. He says he really loved Black Spire. Have you guys read the Black Spire book? Black Spire. No, I did not read the Galaxy's Edge no, story. I haven't read those yet. Yeah, those are. I think those are the, some of the ones that came out later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, I'm still catching okay, up they're... to the earlier ones. Um, someone in the chat just said yes. It, we are both. We're all right. It was about Quinlan Voss and Ventress. Yeah. So, um, what about the uh, Phasma book? Did you guys read the Phasma book? I did. It was so weird. Was it? Yes. Did you read the Phasma book? Uh, yes. But you, like, I don't know if I finished it. You didn't finish it? Um, so, my, my sister's husband, like, really declares that he's not a nerd, but he is. Um, and I think he described it as it felt kind of like Mad Max in space. And I think that it kind of had a lot of that vibe. It was just very like the world was very, it, it was like a really primitive world that, that she lives on. And so most of it like didn't feel Star Wars at all. It Like there were no ships, no nothing. It turns out that they had, you know, that there, there had been technology there. It had just been lost, but the story was just very, um, it was really dark. You know, I mean, obviously Phasma is kind of a dark character. You know, she's, she's not a, a good guy, so you don't really expect her story to be cheery. But the story was really, really dark for Star Wars. Um, just her, her kind of ruthless, um, single-minded pursuit of power um, and survival. Um, was was it was it was kind of unsettling for me honestly that was what did you think i mean that's like i said i don't think i finished it you didn't finish it yeah. I, it came out at the same time as several other books and i think i started it and then switched to one of the others mm-hmm. and I, I just don't remember much about it so when these books come out and you know we've talked about this uh on on the show you know we talk about how uh, you know, the movies come out and okay, that is what it is. And then they go back and, and, and write either a history or a little write up uh, on a, a character that has been in the movies. And just recently we did our uh, podcast episode, Alex and I on side characters and how, right. you know, we, as fans, we really demand uh, a little more information when it comes to these characters because you know the galaxy is is such a huge place it's such a wonderful place to explore and get to know all these characters um what do you guys think about how the uh authors uh as far as bringing stories to the characters that we see in the movies what do you guys think about how they're doing it Uh, are they doing it you know and does it change your perception of the character uh after you read the books and obviously with Phasma, um, you're talking about how 
her, you know, she's a, a very different character. Um, I guess, and, and again, I didn't read it. Was it, did it deal with the history of her and, and who she was and, and all that stuff? It was basically the planet that she came from um, and sort of their their tribe that she kind of grew up with and how a First Order ship basically crash lands on their planet um, and their interaction with them. And she sort of meets these people and is like, okay, they're my ticket off of this desolate rock. And so she decides that that's how she's getting out. And so she basically ingratiates herself with, um, with the First Order. And that's, you know, that's her way off of the planet. And, but also her determination that nobody in her new life knows where she came from. You know, she's really, she doesn't want to be perceived as somebody from a backwater. She wants to be perceived as just a warrior, basically. So how does that change your perception of, of her character? Uh, and I guess, you know, other characters that you read about after the fact. I mean, she's, you you understand her motivation, but she's definitely one of the more, and she's just evil. You know, you understand why she is that way because she grew up in, in such a harsh environment, but you definitely, you know, it, it, I guess it just gives more kind of conviction to the fact that, like, yes, she is, like, really, she really is as bad as she comes off. You know, some of them, it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe they're a little bit sympathetic because they had such a rough childhood, and then there's her, and you're like, and we just don't like her. <laughs> That's really kind of how I came off feeling, which generally isn't how you come off feeling about someone at the end of a book, but uh, it's also not told from her perspective. It's basically someone recounting the information that they've discovered about her. So I guess that's kind of how they get around um, telling the story of, of a villain. And, and it's still kind of her still feeling villainous at the end. Yeah. So do you guys have a favorite author mm. of books? Anybody that uh, comes to mind? I mean, like in the mod, in the new canon, I would say, even though I'm still a big fan of Timothy Zahn's work, I think what Claudia Gray is doing as far as telling stories centered in the universe we already know, mm -hmm. she's just doing an excellent job. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Timothy Zahn kind of moving away from the main story with mm -hmm. these, particularly with these new books he's got coming out later this year uh, and where he can go tell stories that aren't restrained by the existing, the existing canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a follower. Star Wars Galore says uh, Claudia Gray is the greatest of all time. My favorite is Master and Apprentice. Yes. Loved seeing more uh, into Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship. Seeing them struggle to click was so interesting. Also really loved Rail and his story. He's flawed. He's a rough exterior, but he's a really good person. Um, did you guys uh, read Master and Apprentice? Yes, and I loved it. I think that may be my favorite Star Wars book to date uh, is Master and Apprentice. I mean, I always really liked Obi-Wan, um, but I I felt like – I always kind of felt like I wanted more Qui-Gon um, after, after, you know, spoiler alert, he dies at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. I always really felt like – they had an interesting um, dynamic and I always wanted to see more of them. And I really, the book was so well done. Um, and I think it also provides some interesting background, you know, like 
you know, the Anakin makes cuts to Obi-Wan later, like how much he hates flying, you know, and so you kind of get the backstory of like why he hates flying, you know, what things happen. So some things like that. Um, But yeah, such a good book. I think, did you, have you read it? No, we don't have it. You listen to the audio. Oh, that's right. I listened to the audio book and he doesn't do audio books. And what was the other one that was, I don't think it was Lost Stars, uh, Duke, um, Count du- the Count Dooku book? I think it was just called Dooku. I read it. Lost, I think it was Dooku, Jedi Lost. Jedi Lost, yeah, I think that was it. Now that on Audible, mm-hmm. if you haven't tried it, you guys should uh, definitely did. check it out because it's a full cast audio like yes. presentation. Um, again, that's probably for me, it's the best way to absorb Star Wars uh, books um, because again, I, you know, uh, it's uh, rich in sound effects and music, and you know it's like a radio drama. And I love the uh, the old Star Wars radio dramas. Yes, um, they're uh, they're the best thing out there as far as you know dramatization of Star Wars, besides the movie, obviously. Um, but yeah, we have another follower, Padawan of Christ, says easily lost stars. He was heavily invested in Thane and Sienna's relationship. The overall story was interesting, and I was hooked the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping we get a continuation of their story at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost Stars, for me, was like the first book uh, I read during that whole you know journey towards or, or road mm-hmm. towards. And, uh, you know, they're, they're classified as young adults, but uh, they were really, really good. Um, there are certain parts in the, in the story where I can kind of picture John Williams music as, as the action is going and, uh, a really interesting take on the events of star Wars, the events that we already know from a different perspective. Yes. So I, I really enjoyed Absolutely. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Andrew read it when it first came out and has been talking it up ever yeah. since. No, I mean, it was such a cool perspective to have this, you know, we've told the side, we've told people on the empire side we've told people on the rebellion side but we had not had two people who were in a close relationship who ended up on opposite sides and told it from a dual perspective where mm-hmm. both of them are seeing these things at the same time mm-hmm. and, and uh, i think that's an important perspective because that's how civil wars work i mean you don't just have the the people that you hate over there you know you have people that you love on both sides of, of, of a conflict like that. Yeah. It's uh and again, for, for an, ad, for a young adult novel, um, you know, the concept of that story was very, very interesting uh, just about perspective and point of view. Uh, it, it, it was really Andrew, like you said, um, Claudia Gray really is doing some great stuff. Yeah, she really is. She reminds me the most of, the writer, the way that writing was done for the the expanded universe, she it, her writing reminds me more of those old books. You know, you talk, listen to Timothy Zahn or Michael Stackpole or these people talk about writing those books back in the day, and it was kind of the wild west of Star Wars. I mean, they could write almost whatever they wanted, and even though she still got restraints, she seems to mm-hmm. write around them better than a lot of the other writers. Yes. She her her writing doesn't feel like it's constrained by the constraints, right? Um, and I know I know what you're talking about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you wonder too, like how much, how much the company, you know, how much Lucasfilm, you know, lets them, you know, f- fly. Um, 
And yeah. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's some constraints because they want to kind of keep stuff, you know, mm -hmm. off limits because of whatever plans they have. Well, we've if, seen if indeed they have plans, right? Theoretically, they do, or if, you know, to stay out of the way of any potential future plans. Um, we've seen Timothy Zahn. He's usually at Dragon Con, which is one that we where we usually go um, over Labor Day. And basically, he said he's not allowed to write any more Thrawn after Rebels in case Dave Filoni wants to do something with it. That's that's pretty exciting. Um, so, which is why I think he's gone back and done other things, you know, done stories that have been, you know, set before that. Um, but it definitely, to hear him talk, he's like, yeah, back in the day, you know, like we could sort of like dream things up and now it's like okay here's a list of things to have in your book have fun you know like whenever he was writing the second book for the new Thrawn series they he was like okay we want Batuu and you know they had things that they wanted specifically to tie in with the park you know so I think one of the things they're kind of using books for a lot is to try and tie in merchandising and things like that you know park and you know expanded stories on specific things if that makes sense yeah 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 so we got uh andrew i i know when we talked uh when brad and i talked to you uh, a long time ago you uh were you um a big reader of some of the older expanded universe stuff or the the legend stuff yes i i mean i i read I pretty much read everything I could get my hands on up until they got really into the Yuzhong Vong War. And I kind of drifted away after that. Um, but it, it was some of the stories started getting a little too silly for me at, at that point. And I, I kind of lost interest. But uh, I mean, I read, you know, all the all the X-Wing Squadron books, uh, I Jedi, the um, all the uh books with uh Jaina and Jason Solo, Corin Horn. I mean all the Timothy Zahn books. All the Timothy Zahn books. And um, at least half of them are still on our shelf. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I saw the picture that you posted. Yes. Very nice. I'm gonna have to look through that uh little library there. Yes. But uh yeah it's uh you know I see Bloodline. Bloodline was another really, really good one. And again, man, I, I think Claudia Gray really has a, a grasp of uh, of this galaxy. Um, and obviously, she's you know whether she understands the galaxy or not, she's she's a really good writer. She um, you know did Leia did she did Leia too, right? Yes. Yes. Leia is another book. I mean. What do you guys think of uh, of both Bloodline and Leia? I think there's a lot, especially in Bloodline, there's a lot there um, re when it comes to the relationship between Leia and uh, and Darth Vader. It's uh, it was very surprising to see how the rest of the galaxy uh, perceived Darth Vader, and when that um, if anybody hasn't read it, I won't say it, but when the news hit and the mm -hmm. secret was out. Um, that like blew my mind. I didn't know. I didn't know what state the universe was in. I didn't know, mm -hmm. you know, what uh, what people knew. Um, right. What are some of the other surprises or some of the other uh, elements that are are thread through these books? And again, it's it's testament to her writing skills as well. But you know, you're always uh, we think we know 
these characters and then all of a sudden Claudia Gray comes out with his book and it's, you know, mm-hmm. something else is, uh, comes out. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about the quality of, of especially Claudia Gray, but uh, uh, talk a little bit about the quality of these stories. I like, I really appreciate the fact that they chose to have the same writer write Leia before the, the original trilogy and Leia after, because I think that, Sometimes you, it's a little jarring to see how different authors deal with characters. It's like, that's really not the vibe I got about that person from this previous book. So I think that the decision to write about her as an adolescent and as a middle-aged woman by the same person was a really good call because, you know, you can kind of see in Bloodlines sort of the callbacks to the person that she was, the the, you know, talking about how she was you know, kind of bright-eyed and optimistic when she was young. And, you know, because it, it, like to have somebody who actually really has a good connection with not just the character from the movies, um, I think that's something maybe a little bit lacking in some of the new canon is that kind of continuity where you feel like the authors or the writers really have a firm hold on everything that's been done with that character before. Mm-hmm. Where you feel like a different when a different author picks that character up, like maybe they're writing a slightly different character. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even think about that. Um, I didn't realize, I guess I subliminally I did, but that's a great point that you brought out that she, you know, Leia, Leia is written by Claudia Gray before all this stuff happens when she's a young Senator and she meets, you know, she's friends with, with Haldo and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. after the fact in bloodline, um, you just blew my mind, Marisha. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> but that's, you know, that that's a great point. Um, and you're right. It's something that the, uh, the new films kind of missed the boat on as far as having a consistent, a consistent vision. Um, but that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Great example. And I think, um, you know, I, I hope I've said this before. I, I hope Disney kind of sets back and looks at it and says, yeah, we probably need to have like one, uh, unified voice. Um, going forward uh, in these films. And I think they're on the right track, especially now with Project Luminous and uh, all the authors that are getting together to kind of, you know, write these uh, these new stories. And yes. uh, again, I'm not a big reader. I do enjoy, you know, if uh, uh, friends of mine make fun of me because w- when, when we used to go to Tower Records and, and pick up like new music, the way I judged it was by the cover. If I like the cover of the CD, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll I'll, I'll buy it. Um, and that's uh, similar to to the books. If the covers, if I like the covers, I'll I'll get them. Um, They've done a great job with the cut. Co- One thing you have to give all the books for the new canon is the covers have been top notch. Whoever the illustrators and whoever's doing the you know kind of putting together the putting together the look for the, the new Canon books has done an excellent job. Yeah, I totally agree. Link Voxamillion says that his favorite is also his first expanded universe uh, novel. I got into when the sequels were first announced Darth Plagueis, such Uh. an interesting story and uh, made Sheev Palpatine uh, his favorite Star Wars character. Um, too bad they wiped that from canon, didn't they? They did. Yeah. 
But I started reading that. Um, I wonder. I, I don't remember finishing it, but uh, the first couple of pages of that were were pretty exciting and pretty. Uh, I think they they start. Didn't they start at the end and then work their way back? I, I can't remember now. But yeah, the first couple of pages were were dynamic. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great story, and uh, they really need to bring find some way to start bringing some of that stuff. I mean, Plagueis even though we never see him and we really only hear about him once, he's clearly a very important piece of the puzzle. Right. And now in canon, we don't know anything about him other than, you know, what, you know, know what we're told in the opera scene. Yeah. The tragedy, right. That you would not hear from a Jedi. Alex, uh, Alex and I did uh, our little, I think our cold open, we were just kind of warming up and we talked about, uh, that uh, that scene in the opera. I like that scene in the opera. I don't think everybody likes it, but I do. Oh my god, I I love it. Oh, that's yeah. a great scene. It's a great scene. It's a great setup, and obviously they <laughs> they took that scene and kind of uh, ran with it for Rise of Skywalker. Um, but that's another story. It was so <laughs> yeah. I just like I remember watching it as a teenager and being like, that is creepy. Like just how that whole like I'm your friend and but like I'm going to destroy your life kind of vibe he's got going on there, yeah. Kudos to uh, Ian McDiarmid because yeah. uh, I was mentioning to Alex uh, on our last episode that uh, I think he's uh, he's obviously is a great writer, a uh, great actor, uh, but the way he delivers his lines as in especially in that that scene, mm-hmm. oh, chilling, mm-hmm. absolutely chilling. Yes, definitely. So, uh, Andrew, since you read you read both incarnations of the Thrawn uh, stories, the uh, expanded universe, right. old stuff, and then some of the newer stuff, and I agree they should start bringing little by little. I know they brought Thrawn into uh, Rebels, um, but uh, can you tell me a little bit what were some of the major differences between the old Thrawn and the new Thrawn books? Mm. All right, so you know the the big the difference that stands out the most is the old Thrawn in the expanded universe, he is straight up a villain. Yeah, he's a little scarier. You he's he's scary, he's intimidating, he's you know, he he's a huge he's a real threat mm-hmm. to the New Republic. And in this this new Thrawn that we're seeing, which I, I do enjoy, is that we're seeing a character that even though he's on the bad side, you can kind of root for him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this element to Thrawn that you you like, and even though he's the bad guy, they haven't pitted him in the book so much against the rebels, but against you know dealing with other imperial forces and dealing with outside threats, and so they've really made him a much more likable character. Yeah, he you kind of get more of the feeling in the new books. That he's he he's ruthless if he needs to be, but he's not ruthless just for its own sake. Right. Um, In the and, old books, he was just ruthless. Yeah, because I was reading um, the Heir to the Empire, and at some point, one of his gunners like shoots at a rebel um, ship and misses, or so, you know, some something like that. And and he like walks in and just like straight up tells his Nogri to kill the guy, like right there. On the on the bridge, and and I was like, I was not expecting that because I was yeah. because in the the newer books, he's a little more, you know, he kind of looks after his people 
you know, a little more. Um, you know, he's he expects loyalty, but he also kind of doles it out. And where in the original books, he just sort of expects loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, in the old books, he's very much meant to be a replacement villain mm-hmm. for, for Vader. Well, it seems like they, you know, uh, they they gave him some uh, an extra dimension in the newer uh, books and the newer stories that I think is needed when you're creating a villain. Um, you know, they say a villain doesn't know he's a villain; he just thinks he's doing his everyday thing. But with uh, with Thrawn. He's a very, very interesting character because he does have, there is a duality with him. It's just, he's not just, okay, this, I'm, I'm an evil dude. Um, there's kind of a rhyme and reason. And I think those are the more interesting and dangerous villains right. because, you know, you have to be careful around those guys. Right. What, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, but I think what Thrawn, I mean, Timothy Zahn really deserves so much credit for is when you go back to that original trilogy of books and you start to realize, well, I mean, this was the early 90s. -hmm. And then you start to realize how much of his material was sourced for the rest of the expanded universe, for the prequel trilogy and the the sequel trilogy. Yeah. A lot of his concepts, um, they haven't used them exactly the same way, but... There's sure enough a fleet hiding out somewhere in the outer regions. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would pull the trigger already. I mean, I think it's too late now, but I wish they really, uh, you know, took a lot more from the Thrawn stories and brought them into the films because I think it would have helped, you know, pad a lot of the explanation as far as the, you know, the fleet and all that stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, Thrawn is one of my favorites, uh, you know, villains. And when he uh, when he popped up in in Rebels, I was like, oh, they're going yeah. there. Mm, mm-hmm. Let's see how this plays out. But yeah. yeah, and he was great in Rebels. I really liked him. Yeah, and and again, you know, to to read something obviously is 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 different. But then to see him interact with with the characters that you know in Rebels mm-hmm. um, was uh, was a, a real treat. Because, like I said, you know, there's the uh, and I don't know the name of the actor, the voice actor that plays him, but just his his delivery, his deliberateness, uh, the the way that he's, you know, the cunning strategist, uh, the way they laid him out, you know, know your enemy. And he just got all in your face and in your business to kind of try to figure out how to beat you. And and again, like I said, those those are the dangerous kinds. Yes. Well, he's. You know, he's thrown as such an amalgamation of uh, Erwin Rommel, uh, Robert E. Lee, Sun Tzu, you know, some of these great tacticians throughout history. And I mean, that's that's the source material that mm-hmm. that Zahn went to when he created that character was all these great military tacticians. Mm-hmm. Some of who were not good people, <laughs> but who were still, you know, compelling Leaders clearly, you know, demanded. Yeah, definitely. On the streets of Coruscant. Hey guys, this is Cam Ray. I just wanted to kind of chime in on Project Luminous. Um, I'm super excited about it. Uh, I was a late bloomer in regards to the Star Wars literature. I actually started with the audio of The Last Jedi, read by the incredible Mark Thompson. Um, 
since then I've read and listened to almost every novel. Um, I'm trying to make it through the Thrawn series from the beginning. Uh, I've never really been into comics, but I'm also not opposed to diving into those. But uh, the reason I'm excited about Project Luminous, I think, is because it's a fresh start for people like me as well as for well-versed, um, you know, EU readers or, you know, people who've been in this since the beginning. Um, I think it levels the playing field, and hopefully we can all find a common ground without having decades of baggage to compare these characters and stories to. Um, I think I'm going to start with The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. It seems to be the starting line for, like, the great disaster and all of that. But I also love YA novels. I feel they're really content-rich for being slightly shorter reads. Um, another thing I'm excited about is uh, using um, Project Luminous to dive into the comics and other forms of literature that I haven't really explored. Um, anyway, I just want to fully immerse myself in this new era of Star Wars, and I just can't wait for its first phase to release. Um, so anyway, I'm just, I think it's going to be a great thing to bring us together Um Anyway, I just want to thank you guys for being a uh, fun and positive force in the Star Wars community. Uh, May the force be with you guys. Um, Eddie's mom says hi. And that's the Scuttlebutt. This is Sentry Mode. Welcome back to Sentry Mode. I'm Trevor Beast, 454, curator of Star Wars on Sporkle.com. And this time, we got Sentry Mode Rogue One Edition. I know you Scuttle Buddies love Scarif, but these trivia questions go beyond the Imperial Complex and the vivacious beaches. Let us begin. Question 1. What was Michael Giacchino's contribution towards the film? Question 2. Which character's first line was, My child, come, come. We have a long ride ahead of us. Question 3. What did K2SO ask Jin after seeing her blast down another KX series droid on Jetta? Question 4. Who told Director Krennic that he seems unsettled? Question 5. According to Baze Malbus, what does Cassian have the face of? And lastly, our opinionated question. Before Jin, Cassian, and K2 arrive on Jetta, we see a flashback sequence of a younger Jin with her parents on Coruscant. This was the first time a flashback was utilized in a Star Wars movie outside of a vision of the Force. On a scale from 1 to 10, how impactful was that scene to the overall story in your opinion? And feel free to provide a reasoning behind your answer. This concludes our rendition of Sentry Mode. Please send in your answers to at Scarab Podcast. And don't forget to flip the master switch on your way out. I'm Trevor Beast 454 and we will talk to you later. This is Sentry Mode. All right, school's back in session, and we had some extra credits to spare for another lecture from Dr. Sonny Ravencourt. If you missed his special appearance and lecture at the Jedi Temple Archives, we suggest you get your number two pencil over to the archives, subscribe, and take a listen to what that lecture is all about. It'll open up your mind. But as an outpost of the Galactic Empire here on Scarif, we also think it's important to educate our citizens and let you know why the Empire is supreme. Not Taco Bell supreme, but supreme when it comes to our technology, work ethic, of course, chocolate chip cookies, and all our cool naval ships, specifically the TIE Fighter. Take it away, Dr. Ravencourt. 
particularly good mood, so let's get this over with. I do not want the effects of this Flusion Mangies liquor to wear off before I can get out to the University Gardens. The colors are awesome. <clears throat> okay, let's do this. Hi, I'm Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, a famous former holodrama star and now guest lecturer at the University of Coruscant. Find my lectures at universityofcoruscant.com and podcatchers everywhere. The Scarif Scuttlebutt has once again paid my exorbitant fee to speak with you, and so today we're going to talk about the SIE-TIE Twin Ion Engine. The Galactic Empire's workhorse, the TIE Fighter, and all of its variations had one thing in common, and that is the SIE-TIE system, which is more commonly referred to as the Twin Ion Engine. I know, I know, I know. The first part of that is short for single ion engine, but that's just what the system is called. It's the twin ion engine developed by a genius engineer by the name of Wraith Sinar. Now, Sinar is your prototypical boy genius that left the family business to develop his own ideas in secret before coming back and taking it over. During that time, he makes friends with a man called Wilhuff Tarkin who gets him in close with a brand new chancellor named Palpatine. Sinar pitches the crew his new design, the SIE-TIE system. It's a twin ion engine which used microparticle accelerators to agitate ion gases to create velocity. It was wildly efficient, could maneuver with pinpoint accuracy, and was reproducible on a mass scale. Just absolutely demolished the technology at the time. Add in some solar panels for additional power, and what you're looking at is the LN-TIE fighter. That is your stock, ship-of-the-line TIE fighter. LN actually meaning line. Sinar, of course, became rich because the Empire decided to make about a billion of them. They skimped on the shields because Empire, but it's fair to say that Wraith Sinar single-handedly changed the face of galactic space combat forever. Oops, time is up. Todd... Send it to the guys at Scarif and thank them very much for the fruit pod that they sent for Wampa Wednesday. So uh, before we wrap up, I just want to uh, say a big thank you and uh, send you guys some hugs from uh, Chicago. Um, what are you guys uh, planning? What What are you guys doing next? Anything special? Are you done sewing children's costumes? For like for today? Yeah, it's, oh it's, it's almost time to start gearing up for Dragon Con. It's, yeah. so. Okay, so you know the Menominas on uh, the Muppets? Menominas. Yeah. Doo -doo. Okay, so my kids are going to be the Menominas. Oh, my God. And they're going to be so cute. <laughs> they're going to make like the little like 70s like outfits. The girls are going to wear like little mini dresses. And Elijah's going to wear like a like jumper with bell bottoms. And they're going to do their hair. And they're going to have like glasses with the big. They're going to be so cute. That's my next project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrew is going, He's he and one of his buddies are going to go this weekend and what, some kind of adventure expo and see Josh Gates talk about his own brand of being nerdy and go see the Schmodown. Yeah, we're going to go do the Schmodown live uh, uh, on Saturday in Atlanta. So, And I'll probably sew. You'll probably sew. You, have, you should have like built-in thimbles in your, uh, on your thumbs. <laughs> Talk about sci-fi. <laughs> I was like, that's the dark kind of sci-fi. Dark sci-fi. No. 
If Alex were here, I'd throw it to him and he'd say, that's the scuttlebutt. But since he's not here, Marisha, last words. And that's the scuttlebutt. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. This is Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground. And this is Yana from the Padawan Report. And this is the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, your source for everything going on in that galaxy far, far away. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Manamana. 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 The question is, what is a manamana? The question is, who cares? <laughs>